Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder once again as we continue our series on... The Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary for this beautiful month of May, the month of Mary. That's right. And as we did with the last episode, we're going to start with the recounting from the Gospel of Luke. Right. So today we're doing the visitation. So Mary, to remind you, Mary has just received the message from Gabriel that she indeed will be the mother of the Messiah and the Holy Spirit has overshadowed her. And so she is with child. But she finds out also from Gabriel that uh, Mary, that her cousin Elizabeth is in the sixth month of her pregnancy as an, another miraculous event, uh, proving God's power. And so Mary is then moved. Mary visits Elizabeth. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judea, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believe that was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaiden's lowliness. Behold, from now on will all ages call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel, his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise, and to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever." Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Amen. Amen. All right. I could just sit with that. I know. Just, you know it's just really very powerful. Um, Magnificat, really... especially. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I would go through bouts of depression, there's oftentimes I would say this Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the handmaid in her loneliness. And it it always just really lifted me to be able to speak those words like that of Mary, um, to think of God's goodness and mercy and blessing. You know, it said mercy in that passage Hmm. two or three times. I thought that was really cool. He's remembered his promise of mercy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is our savior, right? Yeah. Coming absolutely. into the world. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, I love how she says, you know, all generations shall call me blessed. And and in the last episode, we were talking about humility and what true humility is. And it's to really to know the truth of yourself, to not have a, you know, a false 
humility that says, you know, I'm lower than I really am. And so, you know, one might hear this and, and think, oh, well, that's kind of cheeky to think, you know, you're saying that you're going to be famous through all generations. All generations call me blessed. But it's the why that's important because the Almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Like this sense of one's own blessedness in relation to God's work in our lives. And so, you know, one of the things that I have pondered about this passage is the reality of the importance of giving testimony to the great things that the Lord has done in our lives. You know, a couple podcasts episodes ago, I, I gave a testimony about, you know, receiving the gift of tongues. And there's so many other testimonies that I could give about beautiful things the Lord's done in my life, you know, my conversion story and all these sort of things. And I think that those places of personal witness to the action of God in our lives are profound, powerful means of evangelization and a desired thing by God as a means of showing him gratefulness. And so one of the things I love about this is, you know, this whole thing happened to Mary in the Annunciation, this remarkable thing, right? We don't have any account in the Gospels of her telling anybody about it. She may very well may have, but we don't have an account. But what we do have is that when she got to the point of being with Elizabeth and Elizabeth acknowledged the truth of who she is, saw Mary for who she is, the mother of her Lord, it was then that being acknowledged of the truth of her identity, Mary gave her testimony. Mm. And how mm. powerful it is in our lives as Christians that walk together to acknowledge the true identity of the person before us. So that then they can be free to give the testimony to how they became that through the power of God. Oh, Megan, that's beautiful. I'm having so many things rush through my brain. I'm like, which one do I want to pick and talk about? Because <laughs> as you're saying that, um, in a way, you really see the virtue of encouragement in here. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's yeah. such a beautiful thing because as they're talking, I'm thinking of, you know, friends in my life that are going through difficult times and thinking, how can I encourage them? And, you know, just asking them their story, like, mm -hmm. you know, I know that you are a lover of the Lord. Can you tell me more about when you've had your conversion once, twice, three times? You know, I, I, I like to think that we have deeper conversions, like we convert and then we get deeper. So we have these deepening and deepening mm -hmm. conversions. But that really reminds me a way to encourage others is like, so tell me what Jesus has done for you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, like if you do, you know, kind of this, there's St. Catherine of Siena Institute has this um, spiritual charisms in, you know, list. And one of the charisms is the charism of encouragement. Yeah. And so to, to speak to that as the reality that the movement to encourage another is the work of the Holy Spirit mm. in a person. And in fact, it says that, you know, Mary, Elizabeth cried out in response 
to the Holy Spirit. Like how else would she know that Mary was pregnant, right? And so she's, you know, she cries out in a large voice and then speaks to her of who she is. Most blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And one of the things that I learned regarding encouragement, because I'm going to, I'm going to share with you that when I took the spiritual gifts inventory, like quiz, Mm -hmm. my number one charism based on that is the charism of encouragement. Is it really? And what I learned when I went deeper with the understanding of what is encouragement, it's not just like, you're awesome. Way to go. You're the best. It's not just that. It's actually more seeing a person for who they are truly and encouraging them to be who God created them to be. Amen. Right. And so sometimes that encouragement is, yes, you're on the right path. Persevere. Keep going. You are doing God's work. But sometimes it's actually looks like correction. It looks like you're better than that. Be better than that. Who I see who you are. I see the goodness and the greatness that God has planted in you. And I call it out from you because I know that you are made for greater than this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so in this, you know, we see Elizabeth seeing the beauty and the dignity and the wonder that is who create, who God created Mary to be. And she acknowledges it with joy. And that's another place for us to move when we see gifts in others, when we see the beauty of God manifesting itself in others, we Mm. should respond in joy, not in jealousy, not in envy, not in a sense of our own unlittleness un- or like, oh, I wish I could be like that. I'm, I'm yucky. I'm no good compared to that. No, mm-hmm. we should look at a person in front of us manifesting the glory of God that he's placed in them and say, praise be to God for you who are blessed and are blessing me and your blessedness. So Megan, I want to just take a, a second to apply this to real world situations to like, I say it's all real world, right? But current yeah. day, let's say okay. that. Um, there's been times. So with some of the people that I work with where the Lord really has overwhelmed me with the sense of a person was made for joy, mm-hmm. who's not living in a mm-hmm. place of joy. Mm-hmm. And I had the great honor and pleasure to be able to look them in the eye over and over again throughout our time together and say, you were made for joy. And anything that makes you feel less than that is not of God because mm-hmm. you need to seek that joy constantly because you can see it in people sometimes. You can right. feel it. And, and, and in my heart, I just think that the, the evil one is just trying to squish, just squish them and right. you know, just trying to put so many things in their way so they won't be that person of joy. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage my brothers right. and sisters to tell people when you see those good gifts of the Lord and others, call it out. Tell them. Absolutely. Amen. And the reality is, is that when we see that in another, that's actually the the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in us. Mm. Cause you know, not everybody necessarily sees that in that person because they haven't been given that gift or their own stuff clouds their vision of the goodness of another. Right. And so when you do see that, like trust that that is of the Lord. And when yes. we are experiencing movements within us that are of the Lord, proclaim them. 
right? Just as, you know, so, you know, this visitation scene is obviously a beautiful example of two women who are spiritually connected, right? They feel free within the context of their relationship to share the joy that they have in the Lord, yes. right? And I think the Lord does want that for us in our lives, you know, for people, for us to have relationships where we can exalt in the Lord together and and just come together with that joy, with that uh, praise. And if you don't have people in your life like that, if you're listening and you're like, oh, yeah, I just don't have that. You know, I just really want to encourage you to pray that the Lord will bring people like that in your mm -hmm. life and then put yourself in situations that you might find them. Like if you're never in a situation where you're surrounded by people who are in love with the Lord, you're probably not going to find a bestie that's in love with the Lord. That's right. Right. So seek out the opportunities, but also ask the Lord to give you that gift because you see the beauty of it, of how it doesn't just like provide an, a, a place of comfort. It, it provides a place where it's almost like things are compounded. Like the joy that Mary experienced at the Annunciation and the joy that Elizabeth experienced when she found out that she was pregnant with John was when they came together to share that joy and to proclaim the goodness of the Lord in that shared joy it wasn't just one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals a thousand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it just magnifies itself when we together glorify the Lord. Right. And what we're doing is recognizing that spark of divinity that rests within us, that was, we were made in his image and be able to call that out in the other and say, I see that in you and I love that in you because right. Christ is in you. Yeah, and I think things like this are really the closest we get to heaven on earth. Mm. Because I really believe, and I think I've talked about this on another episode before, that heaven is just going to be this amazing experience of seeing God in every soul and just being overjoyed and overwhelmed by the beauty that exists with the the, the spark of God that is in mm. each individual. Mm -hmm. You know, and they see this in each other and they're just like, wow, this is yes. amazing. I'm so excited to be in your presence because right. look at the Lord and the way he's working in you. It's awesome. Okay, so fruits of the mystery have Wait, like wait, before so many... we move to that though, okay, I, okay. I did promise in our last podcast oh, yes, yes. that I was going to give this parallel jumping ahead. to the Old Testament. Now, interestingly enough, the Magnificat also has a parallel to the Old Testament. Uh, there's almost some direct quotes from another prayer by another woman in, in the Old Testament, Judith, when she um, gets pregnant as well after she thought she was barren. So that's a beautiful thing you can go back to, but that's not what I wanted to focus on here. Uh, what I wanted to focus on was uh, the actual scene of the description of Mary going to visit Elizabeth and how it parallels to Second Samuel when David receives the Ark of the Covenant and brings it back to Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to read again just that little part so that you can hear it again from Luke and then I'll go back and I'll read second Samuel and you can hear listen for the parallels okay so it says during those days Mary set out and traveled to the hill country 
in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out, excuse me, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. So now we'll go back to 2 Samuel. And this is just after David is receiving the ark, you know, because the ark had been lost for like a long time. And he's getting it back. And he's, and so this is what happens. Let's see. Had it marked. Now I need to find the right spot. Oh, here we go. So this is 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. It says, David became frightened of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Hmm. So David was unwilling to take the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. David deposited it instead of the house of Obed-Edom in Gittite. Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom in Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. When it was reported to King David that the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he possessed, blessed, all that he possessed because of the ark, David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with joy. As soon as the bearers of the ark of the Lord had advanced six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. Then David came dancing before the Lord with abandon, girt with a linen ephod. David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and sound of the horn. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, well, this uh, Michal, daughter of Saul, looked down from her window and saw King David jumping and dancing before the Lord. Just as John. Just as John jumped and danced. And so you hear, how is it that the ark of the Lord would come to me? How is it that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Three months it stayed in the um, this house of Obed-Idom, which is in the hill country. And as it went, David danced just like, you know, and so it's just, it's not a coincidence. No, it's a fulfillment. It's a fulfillment. Foreshadowing and fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. So as the ark, you know, you think about it, what it contained originally, it had manna, stone tablets of the 10 commandments. And it had Aaron's staff, right? Mm -hmm. So what are those? It had the bread of life, manna, had the word of God, the the commandments, and it had the symbol of the priesthood. What is the staff? staff, What is Jesus? He's the bread of life. Mm. He is the logos, the word of God, and he is the high priest. And that's exactly what was in the womb of Mary. The new covenant. And so when you go into Revelation and it talks about the new Jerusalem and the covenant is revealed in the new Jerusalem, immediately after that, it starts talking about the woman. 
And so this sense of we as Catholics seeing Mary as the new covenant, that place that where God overshadows that creature, that created thing, the earth, the, the ark was created, mm-hmm. right? By design of God to very specific, you know, specifications, just as Mary was designed by God with a very specific way, conceived without sin, kept sinless, remained a virgin, to be that vessel, which was to carry the Holy of Holies, the Almighty God's presence on earth. And it's just such a beautiful it's awesome thing. I mean, literally awesome, and invoking so much right. awe. Yeah. Right. So what else? You said we were, before I got on to my little Old Testament kick, uh, you were talking about virtues that you wanted to draw out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll start with the one that um, really came to me as I, I've been praying the rosary. I contemplate the mystery and I think what virtue really stands out to me. And for many years, I have been saying the fruit of this one for me has been selfless service. Because I can remember when I was pregnant, oh, I was not as generous in helping others as maybe I could have been, right? So when Mm -hmm. I saw, oh, my word, this changed me. This is when I was a young mother. And I thought, here she is pregnant, and she leaves to go serve someone else. She probably feels terrible. She's in her first trimester. But yet, what does she do? She goes to serve and be with Elizabeth in her household for several months to serve someone else. And I was like, wow, that's some incredible selfless service. So that's that was one of the, the main ones that's always stood out to me. But as we talked, you can see how the encouragement's there, the evangelization of how good God is is in this one, um, gratitude to God for what he's doing. You could contemplate any of these as the fruit of that mystery, depending on your own contemplation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is really so much there. And it just... Yeah, you know, you were talking about that woman at work uh, earlier and how she was made for joy. And I think this mystery really just does remind me of how that is such a powerful fruit of loving the Lord, believing in God's goodness, trusting that he is working in our lives and that we are meant to be a joyful people. And I have often thought that if, you know, you're speaking about what is our mission as Christians? And it is to, to evangelize the world, right. To, to really call people to, you know, accept the Lord and to receive him in their, in your heart and to follow him as your savior. If we don't have joy in that, if we aren't just brimming over with delight over the great things that God has done with us, we're not going to be effective witnesses, No, you know? And so I think this is a beautiful example of, of how we are called to be as, um, you know, witnesses in the world of of proclaiming the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. And Megan, one of the ways that I've always kind of like really um, like examination of conscience at the end of the day is like, what did I let steal my joy? Because that is mm-hmm. not from God. Yeah. Good um, point. That's usually something in me that is a lie of some sort. There's, 
know, that smoke of Satan that can enter in. It's like, what, what did I allow to steal my joy today? You know, and, and that's a really good point of contemplation always to think, why did you let it, you know, take that out of you to, to drain it out? Because you probably have a sin kind of wrapped up in that if you let your joy be stolen, because that's not what God wants. He wants you to maintain it so that you can be that light to the world. And mm-hmm. I'll quote right. Mother Teresa, joy is the net in which we catch souls. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're talking about what is stealing my joy, that's actually like, if you have a spiritual director or something, or, you know, someone that you kind of talk about these things with, that is a place to go deeper. If you find that there's a place in your life where you are just struggling in joy, that there's usually something there, like something deeper um, that you would be good to examine and work through mm-hmm. uh, and try to, you know, with the Lord. And, and often you will need sort of the guidance of another because so often in those places we lose a good sense of objective perspective you know we're just kind of we've bought some lies of the enemy or you know we have some woundedness or whatever close yeah and so those are places where the lord wants to bring healing and and what you see here is that you have these two women who are living in the fullness of the goodness of the Lord in their lives and not out of woundedness and not out of lies. And so, you know, cause for example, Elizabeth could have, you know, bought a huge lie that, you know, somehow she was less than because she had been barren for all these years. Right. Um, but she's not living in that. She's living in the joy of the moment and of what God is doing in that moment in, in a powerful way and trusting that, that his plan is a beautiful, good plan. And so, when we're struggling with joy or struggling in trust, it's it's always important to to work through those areas and really attend to them because those are going to be places that are going to limit us and our ability to live in the fullness of the Lord. It's so true. Yeah. But I do need to make a correction. I think I said the prayer of Judith was the one that was yeah, the, yeah. it's not Judith. It's, I think it's Hannah. I think. Hannah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I, you know, just, I think the Holy Spirit was just like, you made a mistake there. And I, I corrected. <laughs> so anyway, I stand corrected. Yeah. And, uh, but, but anyway, I, I think as we, as we wrap up, I just want to reiterate, like seek people that you can rejoice in the Lord with. And if you have people that you do rejoice, that you know you share a faith and you're not intentionally like joining together to pray and like spend some intentional time like rejoicing in the Lord together, do it because it really will bless you. And it'll bless all the world to see it as well, just as this has rung down throughout the, 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 the centuries, this joy of these two women that they've just proclaimed, you know. So let us be uh, Christians who together proclaim the goodness and the glory and the joy that we have in the Lord, because the reality is in this world today, that will resonate mm-hmm. with so many people feeling hopeless, disillusioned, cynical, all those, you know, so much negativity to see two or more gathered together in joy and praise it will bear fruit. 
just as those two women were so fruitful. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, we'll hope you join us next time. And until then, God bless. God bless. <laughs>